I hated Ashley. And it's okay because Ashley hated me as well. Now, now just so you know, a- Ashley wasn't some, uh, uh, some girl that I'd broken up with and, and Ashley wasn't some guy that I had a conflict with. Ashley, Ashley actually was a town. And my hometown of Woodlawn, Illinois hated Ashley, Illinois. And not so much the towns, ex- but, but when we were involved in sports, when we played one another in sports, we, I, I don't know what it was. We just couldn't stand one another. So, so, so my eighth grade year, summer eighth grade year, I was, I was excited. I'd come up in the first inning and there were already two guys on base, a guy on second and a guy on third. And I had a chance with, with just a single to put my team up two to nothing. And I was, I was stoked. I was excited. I was ready. I was confident. I wanted to put it to Ashley. Uh, here and early, and and that's why I can distinctly remember what happened when when the opposing pitcher and I, I know his name. His name is Dave Bolt, and the only reason I remember that is the the next year in high school, Dave came to our high school, and I played I played baseball with him for for four years. Uh, but but I distinctly remember when Dave Bolt threw me a fastball right down the middle. I had a two two and two count, and he threw a fastball right down the middle. I'm sure my eyes got big and and I leaned back and I swung my bat as hard as I could. And I, I was anticipating to hear that distinct crack of the bat. I was I was anticipating feeling that sweet feel that you get when the ball barrels up on the barrel of the bat, but instead all I heard was the thump of the ball in the catcher's mitt and all I felt was the sting of disappointment. I I turned around and walked back to my bench, and and, and there my teammates in, encouraged me, uh, as well as my dad, who was the coach, encouraged me like you'll get him next time, and and uh, and so so a couple of things later I came up again, kind of a similar situation, a couple guys on base, and I thought, man, if I get a hit this time, it's going to make up for the last time, and thump, strike three hit the catcher's mitt. I came up a third time. In the game, same result, strike three, swing and miss, hit the catcher's mitt. The last inning, top of the seventh, our last inning, I came up to bat. Uh, again, a couple guys on base. I, I could redeem myself. I remember my dad, as I started to turn and head to the batter's box, my dad, who was coaching third, pulled me aside, and, and he gave me some advice that, 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 that I remember. He said, he said, Tim, just stand up there and take the pitches. Don't swing. Maybe he'll walk you. Uh, no, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Really, really what he said was, hey, Tim, lean out over the plate and let the ball hit you. We really need another base runner. No, no, he didn't say that either. He probably wanted to, but what my dad said, I'll never forget this, this, this great device. He says, Tim, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. So I, I walked up to the plate with, with renewed confidence. The, the, the advice of my dad ringing in my ear, keep your eye on the ball. And struck out on three straight pitches. I went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. I, I remember walking back to the dugout, struggling to keep the tears of frustration and discouragement and failure from pouring out my eyes. And, Thinking to myself, keep your eye on the ball. Thanks, Dad. That that didn't 
help much. I, I wish he had said, take the pitches. I wish he had said, let the ball hit you. That, that would have hurt a whole lot less than the emotional pain I was going through. Keep your eye on the ball. In, in a way, that's what Jesus told his disciples. Now, I don't think they had baseball back then, so he didn't use those words. But, but in essence, that's what Jesus had, had said. We talked about it a couple weeks ago when, when he gathered with his, his, his 12 closest and, and, and began to talk to them. And, and really what he said was, let's remember. He said, remember me. And, and he talked about when he took the, the bread and the juice and told them to remember. Really what he was saying was keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on me. Uh, but, but we saw on uh, Easter morning, from from Friday through Easter, the these disciples were deject, dejected. They were they were struggling. They they had struck out and they had struck out big time. Struck struck out on their dreams, on their hopes, on their future. They literally had left everything. These these twelve had walked away from their lives. They left everything to follow Jesus. They thought. He was the one. They thought he had all the answers. They thought he was the key to their success. And in fact, they had placed their identity in Jesus, and now they just swung and missed. These disciples were defeated, dejected, despondent, and, and, and they really weren't ready to hear the news that was brought to them that morning. See, see, Mary Magdalene, who herself was, was dejected and despondent, who herself was was full of tears, had walked to the grave. She had come there to fulfill a duty. She had come there actually to finish preparing Jesus' body for uh, for burial, uh, and Jesus had appeared to her, risen from the grave. And he said, go tell my disciples. So in John chapter 20, verse 18, it says this, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them, that he had said these things to her. Jesus had had actually said, keep your eye on the ball, keep your eye on me. Or or maybe we put it this way, Jesus said, you need to watch me. You need to watch the lamb. Uh, this, and you might have already figured out this was going to be my Easter sermon last week, but 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 it's a it's coming from a little bit different approach, a little bit different uh, a different place. Let me ask this question. Why weren't, why weren't they watching the Lamb? On, on the morning of the resurrection, when they were huddled in Jerusalem, fearing for their lives, why weren't they watching their, the Lamb? Why had they taken their eyes off Jesus? See, see Jesus had plainly, had plainly told them what was going to happen. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 to 19, Jesus had and this was a couple weeks before this happened, Jesus had laid it out step by step what was going to happen. He says in verse 17, Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside and said to them, Now catch this, it says he pulled them aside. So it's not like they that Jesus was talking to a bunch of people and his disciples maybe got distracted and didn't hear it. It's not like a, like, like they were doing something else, and not like there was a lot of activity going around. It says that he pulled them aside. He took them over to a place where he's only speaking to them. So, so no excuses. They heard what he said. He pulled them inside and said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem. Well, 
they did that. They went there for the Passover. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest. They saw that. In the garden that night, they saw Judas come up and, and greet Jesus with a kiss. And Jesus then was arrested. So they saw that happen. And, and, uh, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the priest uh, and the teacher of the law. They will condemn him to death. Well, obviously they witnessed that and turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. They literally had sat and watched Jesus on the cross. Everything that Jesus had said happened. And then the last thing he says, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. Everything happened exactly like Jesus had said. So why weren't his disciples waiting at the tomb. Everything else happened step by step by step by step. So why on the third day, as Jesus had had prophesied, why weren't they waiting at the tomb on Sunday morning? Why weren't they huddled with anticipation and excitement for what was about to happen? Why weren't they debating back and forth what was what what was going to be the exact moment that Jesus rose from the dead? Maybe they would take bets. Well, I think it's going to be 6.05. Who else wants to bet? 6.07. Would it be the first ray of sunlight over the horizon? Would that be when Jesus... Why weren't they debating when it would happen? Why weren't they looking to be a witness of the greatest event in all of human history? Why weren't they waiting for the resurrection? Well, I think uh, to find the answer to that question, we're going to look... Uh, we're going to look at a story from earlier in the life of Jesus, in the life of these disciples. And I think it's going to give us a hint to, to what was going on. But before I do that, let me ask this question. Why don't we? So, so we're going to be talking about them a lot. We're going to be, we're going to be pointing out what they did or didn't do. But, but let, me, let me tie us to the story. Let, let me tie us to, to his disciples. Why don't we live in anticipation? Why don't we live with excitement of seeing the resurrected Jesus active in our lives? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. This, this is a story that you're, you're probably very familiar with. Uh, but, but let's look at this story. It's, it's included in, uh, uh, in uh, three of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 14, starting verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When he saw the disciples, or when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified it's a ghost they said and they cried out in fear but jesus immediately said to them take courage it is i don't be afraid lord if it's you peter replied tell me to come to you on the water come he said then peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came towards jesus but when he saw the wind he was afraid and began to sink and beginning to sink cried out lord save me Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when he 
And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now catch, catch this, catch the context. This, this happened immediately after Jesus had fed the 5,000. So if you're, if your Bible, if you have your Bibles open, you look back and see the story right before this was when Jesus had a group of people on a, on a hillside. He decided to feed them and, and they found five loaves and three fish and Jesus fed the 5,000. It says 5,000 men. So probably there was 10,000 people there. Jesus had just fed 10,000 people with, with some loaves and fish. And when they were done, they, they collected 12 baskets that were left over. So that they, they had just seen this. This was coming on the hills of that miracle. So, so, so someone answer this. This is a question for you to answer. What do you think when his disciples got in the boat and they were rowing across the lake, what do you think they were talking about? Anyone want to make a suggestion? What do you think they were talking about? Their next meal might have been? The, I hadn't thought that. That wasn't the answer I was going to come up with. But knowing his disciples, that's probably what, hey, we'll never go hungry again. There might have been one other thing they were thinking about. Anyone? Anyone want to guess? Boy, you guys are going to be quiet today. I think they were talking about what they'd just seen. Don't you think they were They're talking like, that was amazing. Did, did you see what happened? Did you see Jesus? Did you see him just speak the word and and 10,000 people were, were fed with that meal. I wonder if they didn't say, man, is there nothing that Jesus can't do? Verse 25 uh, tells us that Jesus came to them during the fourth watch of the night. That, that would have been somewhere, it also says just before dawn, so fourth watch was from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock in the morning. So, so they had been out on the boat rowing for quite a while. It said they were up against a wind. That's why they were struggling. Uh, and about 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, somewhere in there, Jesus came walking to them, and the Scripture tells us that they were terrified. I, I, I think we begin to understand a little bit of, of why on Easter Sunday they weren't in the, they weren't in the, in the garden waiting at the tomb, expecting to see Jesus. Because even when they had seen him do amazing things, they defaulted back to disbelief. They defaulted back to where they were. Even though they'd witnessed the power of Jesus, they struggled to believe in the providence of Jesus. So, so this morning, and, and this won't take long, I, I want to look at three things that they were afraid of. Because it says they were terrified, they, they cried out, they were scared to death. I want to look at Three things that that they were afraid of that held them back, that kept them from being at the resurrection. And I think these are the same three things that hold us back from experiencing the resurrected Jesus. They were afraid of the situation. They were afraid of the situation. Now, I get it. They had never seen Jesus, much less anyone else, walk on water. It is something that they had never seen before or experienced before. And and when you see or experience something the nat- that you've never seen before, the natural reaction is to be scared. I, I was talking to, uh, it's about three weeks ago, I was talking to someone about weddings. I don't even know how we got talking about this. And, and they made a comment that, 
when they got married, they were scared to death. When they stood up in front of the church, they were just they were just terrified. And 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 they they kind of asked a question, well, why? And and the fact is, probably most of you, if you've ever been, those of you that have been married, you probably look back to that day and like, yeah, man, I, my knees were shaking, my hands were sweating. Why were you scared? People even that are used to being in front of other people get scared at a wedding. In part is because you've never been there before. You've never done that before, and it's frightening. Forty years ago, uh, a doctor handed me my firstborn son, um, and, and he handed me Brian, and Brian was a little bit blue, about about the blue of this jug. Uh, he, had, he had quarters around his neck, and he'd had a little bit of oxygen deprivation. They weren't concerned, but boy, I was. He he was blue, and I'm thinking, is he always going to be blue? And I think that was before Smurfs. Now, if it'd been after Smurfs, I'd have been sweet. We can we can cash in on this. But uh, and he had the biggest cone head. Uh, show you, I'll show you a picture someday. He had a big cone head, and I'm thinking. Now, I was scared, is his head always going to look like that? But, but really what scared me to death was I'd never done this before. I'd never had a kid before. Now, now with the ones that came after that, nah, it's no big deal. I've been there, done that. But, but when we're somewhere doing something we've never done before, the situation scares us. Jesus, Jesus calmed their fears uh, in two ways. He, he said, first of all, be strong. Verse 27, he says, take courage. He, he told them, stop being wimps and be strong. I, I, think, I think in part he was saying, don't you remember what I just did? Why is it so hard to believe that I could walk on water? You're, you're going to see bigger things than this, which, which they did at the resurrection. I, I know this situation is scary, but be strong. See, God... God, throughout his history with, with his people, has always called us to be strong. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, it tells us uh, about Joshua. Joshua had, had been handed the reins of leadership for the, the nation of Israel. In fact, he was going to be one that led them across the Jordan into the promised land, and he was scared to death. And that's why God said in verse 6, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. He called them in a scary situation. He calls us in a scary situation to be strong. And, and then he said, take courage. It is I. He, he said, believe. Be strong and simply believe. You who you think you're seeing. It said they, they thought they saw a ghost. I don't know if they thought the ghost it was a ghost of Jesus or what. But, but what he was saying is who you think you're seeing is really who you're seeing. See, sometimes, sometimes we get afraid of a situation. God shows up in our lives in ways that we've never seen him show up before. God, God appears to us doing something that he's never appeared to us before. God's Holy Spirit calls to us in a situation that He's never called to us before. And when He does, we get scared. Maybe God is calling you, uh, is showing up in your life, and He's calling you to serve, uh, to step out of your comfort zone, to to give your life to other people, to make a difference in other people's lives. And, and God's never really done that with you before. And man, it's a new situation, and it's scary. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says, 
not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. God calls you to serve, and it's scary. Maybe God is calling you to give, showing up and calling you to give of your finances, of your time, give of your passion. But God's showing up in a way to to call you to give, and it's a scary situation. See, Jesus says to us, as he did to them, be strong and believe. And believe. They were afraid of the situation, and, and I think it's pretty obvious they were afraid of what he would say. They were afraid of what he would say. So, so when Jesus said, hey, be strong, guys, be strong, it's me, it's, it's Jesus. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us this, but I think there was silence. Uh, it, it doesn't mention that, but I think at least for a while, I don't know if it was a minute or two or maybe it's just 30 seconds, but, but I think at first there was silence. Before Peter spoke, I think there was absolute silence. In fact, the, the 12 in the boat, at least the other 11 in the boat, I think they saw Jesus. Jesus said, hey, take courage, it's me. And I think the 11 did this. Nick, you're going to recognize this motion. They did this. If I don't look at him, he won't ask me to do anything. If I pretend he's not there, he can't ask me out of the boat. That happens every time Nick asks a question in Sunday school. You know, whoever's in class, I'm like, well, oh, look at the time. I've got to you know, work on a grocery list or something. But I, I, I think first there was silence. Well, we'll just stay in the boat with this scary situation and he'll go away. If we don't acknowledge him, he won't ask us anything. So I think they were afraid of what he was going to say. And I think at first there were silence, but then, but then Peter spoke. You can count on Peter. Yeah, you gotta love Peter when, when, in, in fact, when he doesn't know what to say and when no one else knows what to say, you can count on Peter saying something. And, and, and so I think that was part of it. I think that's, I, I think that's, that, that's a little bit when Peter just said, Hey Lord, tell me to come out to you. Uh, why did he do that? Maybe he did it to impress the others. Uh, maybe he did it to impress Jesus. Well, I'm going to beat everyone else to the punch, and I'm going to I'm going to call Jesus to ask me out of the boat. Maybe he did it for that reason. Maybe maybe as soon as he said, "Jesus, tell me to come." Maybe as soon as it, the words left his mouth, Peter was like, "Why did I say that?" Maybe he regretted saying it. But but maybe Peter, while everyone else was afraid that Jesus would call them out, afraid of what he would say to them. Maybe maybe Peter, possibly without thinking, did what we're supposed to do. See, when Jesus appears to us in a way that he's never appeared before, what we're supposed to say is, tell me to come. Jesus, tell me to step out. See, the lot. The other 11 knew Jesus. The other 11 loved Jesus. They had served Jesus. They had seen his power. But they stayed in the boat. The easiest thing for us to do as believers, the easiest thing for us to do as believers, who who know Jesus, who love Jesus, who serve Jesus, who've seen his power in our lives, the easiest thing for us to do is stay in the boat afraid of what he might ask us to do. See, they were afraid of the situation, and they were afraid of what he would say. And then 
finally, and this is obvious, they were afraid of sinking. <laughs> well, of course they were. The one thing they knew for certain was that they could not walk on water. They'd tried before. They were fishermen. They knew what happened with water. They'd waded in the Sea of Galilee many times. Probably a couple times storms had blown them out of their boat. And the same thing happened every time they sunk. See, the one thing they knew for certain was they could not walk on water. They would sink. And you know what? You can't walk on water either. When Jesus asks you to get out of the boat and walk on water, when Jesus asks you to step out and trust him and do something you've never done before, you will sink. When Jesus asks you to do something extraordinary, you will sink. When when Jesus asks you to get out of the boat and do something you've never done before, you will sink unless, unless you have faith. See, Peter didn't walk on water because he was better than the other 11. Peter didn't walk on water because he was holier than the other 11. Peter didn't walk on water because he was closer to Jesus than the other 11. Peter walked on water because he trusted Jesus. Well, I've got I've got some some bad news. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, if if you're in the boat like they were, Jesus told him Jesus put him in the boat. If if you're in the boat uh, in, in this walk with Jesus like 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 we are as believers, if you're in the boat, I've got some bad news. He's going to ask you to get out of the boat. It's scary. It isn't easy. We may not like it. We may have never done it before. But if Jesus asks us to get out of the boat, you can walk on water. You have to have faith, though. And and you can walk on water unless you, you lose your focus. Unless you don't keep your focus. It was a... It was about six weeks before Rita and I were to be married. It was May of 1979, and and a group of uh, a group of our our friends, Rita and I, and, and several other couples, uh, decided to go canoeing. It was the last weekend before school was out, and we headed down to Southern Missouri around Noel, Noel, Missouri, and 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 we were going canoeing on the Elk River. Now, now, if you want to test your relationship with your soon-to-be wife, get in a canoe uh, if you've never canoed before because uh, we about broke it off, you know, in the first quarter of a mile on that, that uh, Elk River. But we finally got it figured out. A couple of people said, no, this is how you do it. And, and uh, Rita kind of, Nick, this goes right along with our, our uh, series. Uh, Rita tried to uh, finally realize he wasn't supposed to steer from the front of the boat. Right, Rita? And uh, we finally got it figured out, and we're zipping down the, 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 the river there, actually having a great time. And we come to this bend in the river. The river's going, and, and the current's pretty quick. It's May, water is up, and, and the, the river makes a right-angle turn, to obviously, to the right. And, and the current is pushing us a little left, which is no big deal, except hanging out over the, the, the river was, I don't even know what it was. There used to be like an old mill or something there. And there was this, this wooden arm that hung out over the river, and we were heading right towards it. And as hard as I... Could, could work to get the boat to move away from that. I still wasn't that good. And, 
we headed right towards it and hit it. And Rita hit it first because she was in front of the boat. And she reached out and she grabbed it. And when she did so, she dropped her oar. And it caught, we held there for a while and then our boat kind of spun sideways. And, but I said, as soon as I saw her drop the oar, I stopped looking at Rita and I started watching that oar. Cause I'd paid a deposit for those oars. And if I lost one of those oars, it was going to cost me 20 bucks. And in 1979, I don't want to lose 20 bucks now, but in 1979, that was, I mean, that was a car payment. And I, I, uh, so I'm watching the oar float down the river, hollering at some of our friends, be sure to see where it goes. And, and I look up just in time to see, <laughs> to, to see Rita pitched out of the, the canoe and into the, the cold, icy waters of the Elk River and disappear underneath the canoe. And a lot of things went in my mind. Should I look for her or should I keep my eye on the oar? <laughs> That's 20 bucks all, after all. Uh, and so I expected her to pop up immediately on the other side, and, and she didn't pop up immediately. And then a couple other things went through my mind. It's like, do you have to give the gifts back? <laughs> no, I didn't think that. But I did think, is she ever going to pop up? And finally she, finally she did. We're, we're called, we're called to keep our focus. P- Peter got out of the boat, uh, and he was walking on water. Now, again, I, I may be reading in the text, but I think I know Peter, and I think that this is plausible anyway. I kind of think Peter, took a couple steps, and then he turned around and he looked back at the 11 in the boat. I think he looked back and kind of waved at him like, look at me, I'm walking on water. You, you cowards are still in the boat. Look at me, I'm walking on water. And somewhere in that process of taking his eyes off Jesus to do that, maybe as he started to turn his head back to Jesus, that's when he realized the waves were slapping him in the knees and his, his robe was getting wet and the wind was blowing and suddenly he began to sink like a rock. Why Why weren't they capped, camped out in front of the tomb? Why, why weren't they waiting for Jesus just as he had promised that he would come back to life? Why, why, what was holding them back? They were afraid. Afraid of the situation. They'd never been there before. That had never happened before. They were afraid of what Jesus would say. Jesus might ask us to step out on faith. I don't want to do that. And certainly because they're afraid of sinking. And guys, for, for us, it's, it's easy to just stay in the boat. Jesus, you put me in the boat. I'm there. I'm, I'm just rowing along. I'm staying right here. But, but when Jesus asks us to trust him, when Jesus asks us to do something we've never done before, when he asks us to walk on water, will we get out of the boat? It was the Longest car ride of my life. Now, the reality is, it was only about 10 miles from Ashley back to my hometown of Woodlawn. But after, after going 0 for 4 and striking out four times, that, that car ride seemed to last for, forever. All I wanted to do was get home and go to my room and lick my wounds and sulk. We, Pulled in the driveway, and everyone kind of jumped out of the car. I was out of the car in a flash, but I heard my dad's words. I heard dad say, hey, Tim, grab your stuff and get back in the car. 
And I didn't want to do it, but uh, I didn't want to disobey my dad either. So I got back in my car. I took my glove and my bat, and I got in the car. And, and we drove the two or three blocks over to the high school baseball field. And, and we got out of the car. And I tell you, that was the, the, the one place I didn't want to be. If I never saw a baseball field or a baseball or a glove or a bat again, I, I'd be fine. But we got out of the car, and, and Dad just started playing catch. Didn't say a word. We just started playing catch for a while, just tossing the ball back and forth. And slowly kind of the, the tension began to ease a little bit as we tossed the ball. And then finally Dad said, hey, Tim, grab your bat. Let me, let me throw you a couple. And my tension went back up again as I walked over the plate. And I'm, I'm thinking this isn't going to do any good, Dad. But, but, but he, he got out on the man with a, a bag of balls. And, and, and he, he repeated that, th- those words again, keep your eye on the ball. And, and he threw a pitch, and I swung and missed. And I'm like, this isn't going to do any good, Dad. I, I can't hit the ball. And, and he threw another, and I swung and missed again. And, and, and then he said, okay, Tim, try this. Just, just take a half swing. Don't try to kill it. Just take a half swing. And don't forget, keep your eye on the ball. And the next, next pitch he threw, I just took a nice, easy, soft swing. And lo and behold, the bat hit the ball. Now, it, it, it didn't fly. It just rolled kind of dribbled towards shortstop, but, but I, felt the, the, I felt the ball hit the bat. And he threw another, and he said, well, do that again. And, and, and two or three more, I just took nice soft swings, kept my eye on the ball, and the ball began to jump off the bat just a little bit more and, and, until he finally said, okay, swing away. And the next pitch I hit out into the outfield. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on me. Jesus says, watch the Lamb. Would you bow with me? Father, you've called us to serve you. You've called us to trust you. And sometimes you call us to get out of the boat. Lord, today we pray that when you speak to us in ways you've never done before, in unique ways, when you challenge us to trust you and trust your providence in our life, Father, we pray that we'll have the strength. It's easy to to, to just hang on to the sides of the boat. It's easy to put our head down and, and ignore what you might say to us. But, Lord, help us have the faith to step out of the boat and trust you. Lord, you're calling each of us. You speak to each of us, and you're giving us messages. You're telling us to get out of the boat all the time. Lord, help us. Help us be like Peter, and help us keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen.